No see, feel the market, show number two. Follow along as we discuss our investments and give our insight on the market. I'm Patrick, your host for the week, and let me introduce you to my amazing co-host. First, from Orlando, we have Max, the chart master. And straight out of Hawaii, the man, the myth, Everson, who loves to read through company reports to find undervalued companies. Before we get started, just let me remind everyone that this show is for entertainment purposes and not investment advice. So please consult a licensed professional before investing all your money into Tesla. Guys, uh, what a crazy roller coaster week that we had. Uh, let me just start by saying that a lot of our predictions from last week were pretty spot on. So let's just open with Max. Uh, we predicted three down days and two up days last week, and that came to be true. So perfect. Max, how did you do this week, and what did you learn? Uh, so, well, to be honest, it's, it's not that big of a prediction. Uh, it's just really hard to have five bullish days or five um, uh, bearish days. And the reason that is is, is when the market goes down, um, short sellers make money when it goes down. But in order to exit their position, they have to buy out. They have to buy the stock back. So what happens when there's people buying? The stock comes back up. And that's how you get one or two days that are bullish, even though the entire week's very bearish. So it wasn't a big prediction. It's just a very consistent. It's very hard to get five uh, bulls or five bears. Um, so now in terms of, of what I did, um, very heavily invested in oil. Um, I mean, oil took a huge hit, like we talked about last week. Um, but just... Uh, you know, I have many ways to protect my investment. Uh, I do a lot of theta investing and bringing down my cost basis. So uh, for the week, uh, we were looking at about 7% gain. Uh, so that's about what I did this week. Now, I do have an eye out for silver. Silver is getting punished with everything that's going on right now in the market. Um, it's not quite as cheap as oil right now, but I'm definitely, definitely looking at it. And it's catching my attention. Okay. And Everson, uh, what about you? Because I know that you made a lot of big plays this week and it sounds like you were pretty successful. Well, I looked at the overall market and this is specifically in the stock market that I looked at uh, different sectors. I noticed the popular trend in many countries where large gatherings weren't something that was famous. And obviously your airliners and, and cruise ships and such, uh, ultimately they're going to get hit hard. So my bet was just to to bet on the news at this point and so i i did i did have some puts on live nation i did have some some puts on TripAdvisor, um and then also your uh your retailers your retail companies such as you know jc pennies macy's and such uh so just the overall market and where i felt that you know consumer spending wouldn't happen too frequently um one one call that I did was in the uh, uh, kind of the oil sector, uh, a company FRO, stock picker FRO, and I did a big, uh, I waged a big bet on that, and it was doing pretty good. However, this this Friday I, I sort of expected a little more out of um, FRO. Uh, we saw it dip down at about maybe let's see, I think it was maybe about eight to nine percent. It dipped down on Friday. Uh, but it quickly came right back up. So I, I feel pretty confident moving into the next week that uh, frontline Sakta Kerafaro is going to do pretty good. To give 
to give the uh, viewers a little insight about Frontline, it's probably my biggest position here. Uh, I think I think I went for a, a nine percent gain um, last week. Uh, but to give you an insight on uh, Frontline, Frontline is a company that holds vessels. The last that I heard, they had a little over twenty uh, vessels, and what they do is they hold oil. So with this battle between OPEC and the Saudis, and they're going to need to store that oil someplace. And so you would actually turn to a company like Frontline to store your oil. And you see them floating all around. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of ships outside of San Diego that uh, store oil. And so this is a company that makes money on the lease. So I, I don't I don't see this going away anytime soon. Um, and, I, and I think uh, I think Frontline has more more room to run. I'm calling it maybe about $11 per share moving into the next week, but I know it will be in the $10 area. I wouldn't be too surprised if it goes to $12 per share. Interesting. So my understanding about Frontline is that uh, the Saudis want to flood the market with oil, right? And now with Trump saying that he wants to uh, refill the supply, uh, the strategic oil supply, there's going to be a lot of oil transferring ends. And so right. my understanding is that the Saudis recruited two super tankers on top of their own fleet. So yeah, shipping companies might be interesting right now. Uh, what else have you found on the market this week? Um, so with the, with the puts, like I was saying, you know, Live Nation, uh, TripAdvisor, I've also uh, taken to, you know, understanding the way consumer spending works. Uh, I looked at, uh, Lyft and Uber that, that they, they've been doing poorly, uh, you know, and it couldn't come at a worse time uh, for, for the two um, industry class or to the, the two companies. Uh, I've, I've seen as much as a, uh, hang on one second, let me take a look at this one here. I've seen as much as a drop of, I'd say about maybe 30%. Eyes up overall over a hundred percent on the options uh last week um so there's a lot of a lot of declines i don't think that even if you were able to stimulate the market with the you know the, the feds adjusted rates to zero and you know, the trump authorized uh, for, for congress to be able to have that 50 billion dollar plan i mean 50 billion dollar that that takes care of the entire uh cruise line sector it doesn't take care of the airlines it doesn't take care of the uh you know, Lyft and Uber drivers, it's just, it's one industry class that it takes care of. Um, so I, I, I think that we would see more declines on this. I, I don't know, especially if they make it a, a mandate for folks to stay in, in homes and quarantine in homes. I don't see a lot of people traveling. I mean, there's not really much places that you can go to in the first place, you know. So yeah. I, I just don't see a lot of movement. And with that, I'm buying the news. I'm buying the news either on puts or I'm buying the news on, on our calls. On a positive note, though, I do want to add that I've seen, I, I, I foresee the future for companies like uh, Philip and for companies like GE. GE, as we know, they've been a lot under a lot of pressure, uh, but I hear it with, uh, with, with people close to uh, companies like Boeing, where the 737 maybe commissioned to go back uh, back in flight maybe around ending of April, uh, beginning of May. So 
that would be a positive news for Boeing in addition for uh, General Electric. And now let's let's look at the defibrillators, right? Uh, all of those ventilation systems is something that Philip and GE produces. And we got to look for a lot of those moving forward, you know, with the hospitals and everything. We don't know with this, with this virus, how, how quickly it can escalate. Uh, we've seen it in numbers with places like Iran, where they, from my understanding, had not been quarantining and the numbers had jumped in, in their death toll. So, a lot of nations, you know, are battling with this virus, as we know it, um, Europe with Italy as the most uh, most concerned, uh, most problematic, where they they have that uh, that quarantine in your own home. So, I mean, this is just a reflection of what's to be expected all over the place. So, unless there's positive news in China, unless there's positive news in Italy, then I say we're in a bear market still. Yeah, so this was a wake-up call for healthcare supplies. Like some of the supplies were, we were we didn't have enough, so now they have to ramp up. So on my end this week, I'll be honest, I got caught off guard. You remember on the podcast last week when I saw like the big uh, drop in oil? It's very difficult when massive news like that comes up during the weekend because you couldn't really prepare for it. The uh, day before, right? As opposed to if the news happens during the week, then you have time to add your bet. So I took a pretty big drop on Monday on my oil position when it dropped 20% overnight. So I had to uh, follow that up the next few days with puts in the money, uh, sorry, calls in the money. And then I was able to make money with that. And then closer to the end of the week, after Thursday, when uh, Caribbean dropped 30%, it reached a point where at $30, like the boats themselves are worth more than the market cap of the company, right? That's right. So yeah. I feel like we're getting to a point where it can, it's still going to drop possibly, but the downside is getting to be more and more limited. Because the company is not going to go to zero and people are still going to go on cruises eventually. I know that right now it's stopped for 30 days, but eventually people are going to go back and have cruises. It's just a matter of picking companies that are going to be able to withstand the storm. And so I sold puts um, on at the end of Thursday thinking that on Friday it was going to either go up or at least stay stable. And that was successful. Uh, th Friday, I was able to roll down from $30 to 17 and a half, which is a pretty big, you know, spread. Right. And still um, do that, making money on the original transaction. So just a few contracts, like nothing big, not too much risk, right? But I felt like it was worth it. And at 17 and a half, I'm pretty confident for the coming week because of the fact that even though, you know, uh, the cruise lines are in trouble right now, but as we said, it's not going to go down that much more. It's not, I don't expect another 50% drop over a week. Right. So that was my week. And in the coming week, I'm probably going to, again, edge my big oil position, keep making money with calls 
and see how that goes. We'll see how uh, the resupply of the strategic reserve affects oil. I know that right now the futures are down, but we'll see how this week goes. And the futures are down over a thousand points already tonight after the Fed cuts the rate to zero. So how do you guys feel about that? That's like, it doesn't seem like it's reassuring the market at all. Max, well, you yeah, sure. Um, so the Fed only has one lever and it's the interest rates. And so now they've pushed that lever all the way down to zero, meaning in the future, they don't have any room unless they go into negative interest rates, which I don't even want to get into in this show. But uh, so now they don't have any more leverage going uh, forward. So they've used up that entire leverage that they've had just because of this virus. Now, sure, people are dying, but um, the numbers aren't that bad if you're looking into it. Uh, only 0.9% of all the people that have died actually had no chronic illness. So you, if you're healthy, if you don't have cancer, diabetes, that kind of stuff, uh, this is just a regular flu, if not a little bit milder than that. Um, so, yes, you know, things could become worse. I think there's a quote that says it's better to be overprepared than underprepared for this virus. But to use up that entire leverage, plus to combine that with quantitative easing again, um, I think we're just going to inflate the market again. Um, so now your dollar is becoming worthless again. And that's why I'm looking at silver. It's going down in value. Plus, it's going to hedge you in the future for purchasing power. Uh, so I know I'm very committed to oil right now, just like Patrick. But I'm telling you, that silver is definitely catching my eye because it makes sense now at the price. But it's also making sense for the future just because of that inflation cutting the rates. And now we don't have any um, leverage in the future. So that's what I saw. Everson, what did you think? You know, I... I take a, I take note of some of your uh, bigger investors, uh, you know, looking at Warren Buffett. He's he's about one hundred. I think it was about one hundred and fifty billion dollars in cash. Uh, so he decided to, to get out at the at the right time. All of your big investors, they're not willing to to buy in just yet. I think it's a, on some positions it might be a hold, um, but. Like like Max is saying, I don't I don't see you know markets doing too well moving forward. When I'm uh, actually, this is just an update on the indexes for the European market. Uh, I don't know if this is old news, but I'm looking at the Bloomberg, and it was showing a, a positive day. Um, I think we went up about nine percent, if I'm not mistaken, uh, on Friday. Uh, but the futures looks like it's. It's down about 4%, uh, according to Bloomberg. But even with the Fed adjustment rate, same as Max, I, I don't think that it really affects anything because going back to last week's episode, this is a health crisis. It's not, it, it's not a crisis, a financial crisis per se, but it's one of those bubbles that if that bubble pops, it can affect the rest of the market. So we, we can see it at some point infect, affect the mortgage bubble. It could affect the banks. It could affect, and the banks are really, uh, the banks and the lenders are really uh, the, the areas of concern because they essentially, without the banks, all the whole operations won't run. So I think if, if anything, with, the, with regards to the federal government, the president, the uh, U.S. Uh, Treasury, 
uh, also the, the feds. I think emphasis needs to be on our financial system more than anything, because that's that's really where we get a lot of our loans to be able to sustain business, to sustain um, uh, just stability. Uh, we're not even thinking about uh, GDP growth or anything at this point, because let's face it, yeah. job numbers go down, um, consumer spending. No one's looking to to buy a car in this type of markets. I, I don't think at least I don't think so. Um, I'm not jumping to buy a home right now. So I, I think we have more bad days ahead. I, I do agree that we're leveraging at a, at a point where we've gone too low. But getting back to what I was saying about Warren Buffett, he's actually mentioned about a week ago that he, he saw the market going as low as 50%. Now, the market has dropped at least 10 to 20% already. So to see maybe a market decline of an additional 10 to 20, uh, 25%, I say would be reasonable. I, I think the market can go down a little bit more than where we are at, at levels here. Um, and I, I don't see yeah. why not, because we haven't fully implemented uh, home self-quarantines in every state yet. We, yes, we do have the national emergency um, declaring fundings from Congress. But at the same time, I, I just I, I don't think we're at our bottom yet. I, I, I think that there's at least 10 to 20 percent of declines uh, from here. And that's the big risk is the fact that it can spill over. Like it started as a health crisis, but it can easily spill over into other aspects of the economy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, for example, I was thinking of, um, I saw in the news, a poor guy who opened a restaurant next to the Boston Garden four months ago, right? And that's why there's quantitative easing. They need to inject money in the market because this guy... There is absolutely no way his business can survive with the NHL suspended, the NBA suspended, March right. Madness suspended. How is he going to make it to, to like next fall's uh, sports season if he can't get access to loans or a credit, you know, some sort of credit to sustain his business for a few months, right? Hey, and Patrick, some people don't that, understand. Sorry, Patrick. I, sorry to interject, but was that that... Uh... The guy who he's a small business owner uh, made sandwiches or something like this. Was that? I'm not sure. I just saw that he opened a restaurant four months ago next to the Boston Garden, so he's very, very dependent on. I think I seen this. the live sports crowd, right? right? Right. So that that's what scares me a little bit is that it starts as a health crisis, but it's just going to start spilling over into other areas because if this guy has to lay off some of his employees employees can't pay their rent or their mortgage and you know it just goes down the rabbit hole from there so i'm so, glad that the federal go ahead so you're you're right about that but um in his specific case um i'm sure his business is not looking to make a profit for the next year or two years maybe a little right. bit longer so um sure it's going to reduce his savings but i mean he's not planning to make a profit right now Yes, but we have to think about the fact that, you know, let, let's ignore this specific case, right? But in general, a lot of small businesses can't sustain, like, no. losses for many months, right? They don't, right. they aren't well enough funded. And that's why the only thing that's going to help them get through it is having access to credit. And not that right. many people think of ahead of time, right? Like we seek it when we can't get it, basically, especially if the banks start to get cash strapped. 
And that's why the federal government is injecting money into the market, not to give billionaires like 1.5 trillion, as I've seen online, right? Um, so we just have to keep that in mind. And now it's going to affect us as investors. As you said, Max, it's going to affect the market. But right now, the market isn't taking it too well. It's just people don't feel like that's going to be enough to support the market right now. What do you think? Well, yeah, I've seen that. Uh, I'll go ahead. Uh, I Before I forget, I've I seen that uh, maybe that news or it might have been another business. Uh, I, I think it was on Bloomberg. But, you know, you were saying that as a business, his servers made more money than he did. Uh, they would go home with tips. They had a guarantee hourly. Uh, so it, it is a fear factor, not so much for your hourly employees. Yes, if you have to downsize your, your business or if, even if you have to close your business because you couldn't support yourself for rent each month. Um, you got to look at the cost that's involved with a lot of these businesses. It's a hard market to be able to establish yourself, especially in the restaurant industry and the retail industry. Uh, so, I mean, unless you're a company, I believe, like uh, Costco or Walmart, where you're selling products that people need and people want, uh, it, it's it, it's hard for people to be spending money at your local diners and, and, and things when they, they're thinking cost-cutting. They're thinking, you know, I might lose my job in the next few months. Uh, the companies might downsize. So it's, it, it's not a time that we... You know, maybe you're you're the type where you you think that the coronavirus is a big deal, right? It's just the flu, uh, like a lot of us um, or a lot of people that I've, I've heard. Um, even if it's just the flu, it will affect companies. It will affect businesses, and therefore it, they might absolutely affect, uh, all of us. Yeah, it, yeah, it's the entire chain. It, it starts at the top and trickles down, like to the supply chain, right? So we're talking about this specific person, right? Uh, that restaurant, but it's going to affect all of the inter entertainment industry, for example, uh, because, you know, they tell you, try not to go to the restaurant if you don't have to. Um, There's so many sports events that are canceled right now. So all of that affects the right. tourism industry. So it's just one thing leads into another and everyone gets hurt that way. For example, we've had so many events canceled this week. Uh, like just briefly, if you want to talk about, I know that I believe you had puts on WWE, Everson. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's one of the entertainment sectors that I had, uh, I had put in puts on. And what's interesting about that is that they have one of their biggest events of the year coming up, WrestleMania, right? WrestleMania. And the right. city of Tampa wants them to cancel it. Well, they're expected to have 70,000 people there. So that's a lot of people that, a lot of travel that won't happen, a lot of hotel rooms that won't be filled. Absolutely. You know, it's just, yeah, it, it's a massive impact on the economy. So right. when we say that it's it's a mild type of flu, right? But it, it's, right. it's not just the health crisis. It, it's the impact that it has on the entire economy at every Absolutely. level. I don't know. I'm Absolutely. on the other side. I'm on the other side because uh, – Sure, I don't get to go to WWE in Tampa, right? So I'm not going to pay for my flight. I'm not going to pay for the ticket, you know, for the rest of my family to come with me. So where am I going to put that money? I haven't lost that money. It's not like 2008 where you look at your property value. I like where you're you going with like this. $80,000, $100,000 basically in the two months. 
So they still have that money. So now Absolutely. that they're not going to restaurants, they still have that money in their pocket. So they can still use Grubhub or delivery system, food delivery right. companies to bring them food. They could go to the grocery stores if they're willing to go out there. Um, so that money's not disappeared. The, right. the homeowner still has money in their pocket. Now they get to choose where they reallocate it. Maybe they're going to invest it into their kids and, you know, start saving for, uh, for their education, college or whatever it is, instead of going to Disney World, SeaWorld, Universal. That's all closed right now. So, sure, those businesses have a lot of money to survive these tough times, but the regular homeowner is not losing out because they still have money in their pocket. And now if you're looking at the NBA, most um, – Teams are actually paying for the workers. Disney is actually paying their workers to stay home. But so now they're not even working. Ice. What? How long can they sustain that? I'm not sure, but to me, we're looking at a month, maybe two months more of this stuff. Um, I'm just I'm on the side that this is not a big deal. You're right; it is a chain effect, but it's not making money disappear. It's just reallocating it. And so, yeah, sure, you can start shorting entertainment stocks, but you could also start investing into health care uh, sector. You could also go into energy. Um, and then, like, consumer staples. For some reason, people are getting into this habit of storing toilet paper. You know, that's the big news. Where's the toilet paper? Um, the new gold. Yeah. But the interesting <laughs> thing is every time I go to a grocery store, I'm having a conversation with the managers and the workers, and I'm saying, you know, are your sales up? And most of them are like, no, our sales aren't that up. Or maybe one specific day went up. But so it's not that they're just buying toilet paper. They're actually – they stop spending on other parts. You know, maybe they're buying a few less cookies or less fruits or whatever it is. So the grocery store, even though they're selling out on toilet paper and hand sanitizer – they're not making more money. So I, I just I thought that was to, really interesting. I, I see where you're coming from with the quantitative easing, but uh, you know, quantitative easing only works now when people spend money. So your normal, your normal individual, your your normal person, uh, you know, is not spending money in in investments. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I just I, I don't see a lot of people wanting to put money into the stock market. Because I think oftentimes a lot of people don't know how to invest in a market. Uh, you know, many people, in my perspective, wouldn't even know how to short a stock. Needless to say, how to put a puts on a stock. So I see what you mean where they have the money, but quantitative easing only works when people spend money. So yes, the fear factor kicks in, and that's where we see the toilet paper spending. That's why I invest in companies like Kimberly Clark. Um, but without that fear factor, you know, People are spending money, but they're spending money on particular products. They're spending money on food. They're spending money on hand sanitizers and, and such. They're spending money on toilet paper. I don't know why you spend money on toilet paper. <laughs> Here in Hawaii, they, they spend money on rice. So rice is, is disappearing. But yeah, Clorox is another stock. I'm going to go ahead and write that one down before I forget. But also, now looking at the data, I think that's the important key that we haven't mentioned is the data. Now, the data can somewhat be manipulated, right? Because we don't have enough testing kits. Uh, I'll give you an example here in Hawaii. Uh, last week, they had 250 testing kits. We have 
we have about 1.7 million people here in Hawaii. You would first have to call in advance, let them know that you're showing up to these testing facilities, and then uh, they can prepare themselves for your incoming, and, and then they can go ahead and test you to see if you have the virus or not. So there's, the data is sort of misconstrued, and we won't find out the, I, I don't think we, we would find out the full um, impact on the data until maybe even April or May, or maybe not at all, because how do you find out if someone had the virus but recovered in, in two to three days or maybe a week or maybe two weeks, right? Um, I just heard a report on the news that said that uh, that the coronavirus was not airborne, and, but you can catch it in the air. So I don't know if there's any truth to that or, you know, so you always have... So it's through moisture. So if somebody right. coughs, yeah. Right, 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 right. So, I mean, in essence, I, I think that's, that becomes airborne, right? But there's just there's so many facets to it. But on the upside, I did want to mention, because while we're doing this segment, I did see that the Korean markets on futures is up and gold is is up. So I, I think off the show, we were talking a little bit about how you felt that commodities were was going to do pretty well with it. Uh, so I just wanted to mention that that gold is up in the futures. So let me just ask you guys something uh, that we might be of interest to viewers. Uh, I personally don't really believe in investments that are based on a relatively short-term crisis, right? Because to me, that's more speculation. Um, right. We don't know how long this thing is going to last. All we know is what it is right now. And we can kind of presume how things are going to be in a year or two, right? So how do you guys navigate this short-term crisis? Personally, I'm doing investments that are very short-term, right? right? Like I can somewhat kind of predict what's going to happen next week, but I can't tell you what's going to happen in the next month. So how do you guys view this like opposite factor of investing for the crisis versus investing for after that, you know, one year, two years, five years out? Go ahead, Emerson. Mm -hmm. Well, so I, that's a good question. Uh, when I'm looking at the market, because it's so speculative, like you said, and because it's so volatile, I, I've learned that taking it day by day is really a, an option that I'm, I'm pursuing. So I'm, I'm looking at day trades. I'm looking at uh, if I do swing trade, I want to get out of my position by the ending of the week. I want to take profits as soon as I can, because like you said, you, you know, and I want to be in cash as much as possible, just in case there's a turnaround, I can reallocate my assets to um, to the bull market. But like like the amazing call that Max made about the week last week or this week, uh, you know, two two up days, the rest all down days. That was pretty accurate. So if we planned out for it, you know, and, and I think we had it Monday, Tuesday, maybe maybe up days, but. It was interesting to see a Monday and a, and a Friday as, as an update and the rest just this bear market. It's actually beautiful because it, it allows you to be able to really fulfill your positions. Um, but like, like Warren Buffett says, uh, I think his quote was, be greedy when others are fearful, be fearful when others are greedy. Uh, that's, that, that's a perfect quote for, for this season is, you know, the others are fearful right now. Now is the chance to be able to make money. Um, so as far, as far as my position, like I said, I get in and out. As far as the year or two years or five years, 
I think we have to play that ear by ear because, uh, you know, looking at this, this crisis, this health crisis, this will hurt your average investor. I'm talking about your investor that's maybe not too savvy with what, what's going on in the stock market. Maybe they jumped in because of the, right. Maybe they jumped in when it was the uh, Robin Hood, uh, you know, move. So th these are your investors that don't know how industries play, don't know how uh, sectors really work too well. So they get in, they get bit, or they try to even play the, the puts and the, and the short selling market. And then they get bit again on days where they panic. Uh, so you're going to have a lot of people that, you know, uh, for for animal terms, you know, dog dog with the tail be between their legs and they may not ever come back to the markets. They they may you know get educated a little bit before they get in. But I think the confidence has to be restored in the market. And I think people really have to begin to start to feel it out um, to, to see what to to predict. But I know this will affect even the consumers. So you know, consumer spending on things like airliners and, you know, people probably have a stigma now that in the flu season, I'm never catch, I'm never riding on a, a cruise line. I, I personally would probably never ride on a cruise line during these seasons, even if it was popular seasons to, to take a cruise in May. I just would never do it because of the fact that you hear every year around the flu season, everyone is affected with something. So, I, I would pick and choose your battles uh, from here, and I, I would just so Everson. Um, so Everson, if I understand correctly, you kind of agree with me that short-term plays, you know, absolutely based on stocks that might be affected by this, you know, short-term or rather undetermined-term uh, crisis. Right. right? We try to keep it short-term, but at the same time, look for long-term opportunities for things that eventually have to go back up that kind of summarize it i'll give you an example right and i've never talked about this um during this show but oh boy I, I he's see... gonna give us some info here get ready get ready here it is you know, so taking I, notes i look at I look, <laughs> I look at stocks like snapchat and with the with the new generation of of kids and you know this x generation xyz uh, all that uh and the millennia generation, a lot of a lot of the new um, influencers, they're jumping onto to uh, social media sites like like Snapchat. And when looking at Snapchat, I I personally think that it's too low. And why wouldn't you? When the advertiser base, the companies still have to advertise, right? The advertiser base is still going strong there. I heard that um, uh, NBC had a position in it. Um, and they sold about 500 million of it. I I think as that gets priced in, I see confidence in investors. I mean, I don't I don't see why you would when you have Facebook trying to buy out Snapchat at ten dollars per share. I think it's a cheap price. I think you get into. Uh, I'm I'm strong calls with Snapchat. You know, regardless of uh. what, what happens, but um, I, I think that's one of the first companies to to restore because what do you have in in Snapchat that requires you to essentially you know meet up or anything you can this is all online this is all stream based yeah. online so i, I just I, I see more of the upside on, on companies like those so it's not all negative news um uh, but i like you said you look for your particular markets and what what you know follow the trend and, and i think this is one of those trends uh, i had a pretty good day with with those calls uh this last past week especially on friday 
who's to say what's going to happen in the next week? But uh, in addition to what I was saying, you know, you, you plan for short gain, but maybe put your risk out a little longer. You can look at maybe April, April calls and puts. So just buy yourself some time uh, with those, with those calls and puts. Uh, I, I, I buy, I buy short, short gains on day trades, maybe like uh, March 20th. I do short plays on that for the week, just so it's cheaper. It's cheaper. You get more buying yeah. power. Uh, but those type of moves, you you never want to do more than two to three days. You always want to sell out within the day, I'd say. Let's switch and real not, quick to Max. Go ahead, Max. Uh, why don't you tell us how do you see crisis investing versus like picking up long-term stocks like at this let me, time? Let me interject real quick. Uh, sorry, Max. Uh, but be careful with the sucker hour, right? They say the first hour of trading, the market open is a sucker yeah. hour. We've seen that, that volatility where you have a good bull market in the beginning and then stocks tend to trend down during lunch break when everyone's not looking, right? Well, the amateurs start the day and the pros finish the day. But that was a great <laughs> That's point. A good way. Um, so my theory is always the concepts are way stronger than the actual underlying or stock or commodity, whatever you're investing in. And so last, last week we talked a little bit about my view on improving my risk reward you know trying to make three dollars for every one dollar i risk uh this week I, I wanted to talk a little bit especially for the new investors i wanted to talk a little bit about how to protect your investment because you don't know if you're correct with your call so you you know what's the first rule in investing from warren buffett is don't lose money in the stock market and what's rule number two is don't forget rule number one so you want to make sure that you use specific tools to protect your investment so if for some reason, you're going into stocks, you're buying stocks or shorting stocks, make sure that you have a stop loss. And that stop loss That's is right. going to be behind your entry point. And so you can calculate your exposure to the market, how much you're risking. And now if you're actually um, going to be a little bit more advanced and you're going to go with um, options, anytime you buy an option, the value of that option is how much you're risking. And so I think ever since I was trying to get uh, to see how much of that full value of the option you were considering risking because some people will just say I'm only risking 25% or 50% of the whole value of that option. But anyways, for the viewers that are just starting out with options, just consider that full value, 100% of the value of the option that you're paying as your total risk. And you're in, especially in times like this, you need to make sure that the charts, the fundamentals, the news are going to make it possible for you to triple that. Right. Or at least what's, what's your what's your opinion on investing short term based on the crisis? Right, like you agree with me that people should. Well, it's okay to invest a little bit of your money, like make some plays short term, but also look for those long term stocks that are going to rebound big from this crisis. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, if 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 you're looking at long term, I told you, I've, I've said it many times: silver, silver, oil. Um, if you're looking for short term. You know, find uh, a few safety, safe havens, uh, especially like consumer staples. And it's not because their sales are going to improve that much. It's because that's where the rest of the investors are going to go to protect their accounts. Um, so you're just going to ride that wave. Now, Everson, you were talking about um, quantitative easing only helps when consumers spend. And so, yes, they're not going to spend in traveling. 
but they're going to spend their money somewhere else because last time I checked, the average citizen doesn't save money. The average, I think, um, if you look at middle class and lower class, the average savings account is $1,900. People do not save. So if they don't spend money to go to a Lakers game, they're going to reallocate that money somewhere else. They're not saving it. So like we were talking about, some of the other sectors are going to benefit from this, uh, this switch. So entertainment's going to crash. And like what Patrick is doing, he's already starting to mobilize himself to pick up some of the pieces of the entertainment sector so that once it gets back to full value, he's going to make a killing. So, you know, right. protect your investment and just try to figure out where the money is going to flow to, to so that um, other investors are protecting their money. And the other thing is... So Max, sorry, go ahead. No, so this is really important. Um, in 2008, the uh, we had 63 to 65% um, of the average homeowner invested in the stock market. 63 to 65%. We went all the way down to 52%. And with, with what, this bull run that's been, what, 12 years? We've only gone up to 55%. We've only increased it by 3%. So um, what they were trying to do is incentivize a lot, you know, 10% of the homeowners to get back into the stock market. Well, in these times, that's not happening. Um, but we'll see. I mean, just make sure you protect your investments um, and use concepts. The concepts are a lot more important than where you put your money. Give me any stock and I'll make money on it because I'm going to use concepts. So, you know, tell me a sector where it's getting pummeled and we'll find a way to make money. I like so actually, that lets me, that lets me transition into something we wanted to talk about, which is commodities. Um, you know, we're both pretty invested in oil, right? And you were bringing up silver. Let's talk about silver a little bit because it's been losing a decent amount of value the past week. And a lot of people have the concept that when the stock market goes down, silver and gold go up and when the market goes up silver and gold like either stay the same or go down so tell us a little bit about like what's going on with those commodities and how we should be looking at it right now and i know that you're a big fan of silver but if we look at the past 10 years it hasn't really gone up much uh, so this question's for me okay yeah so um silver is always going to follow gold because there's a, a specific ratio and people will always think about protection through gold, not silver. So once gold gets too expensive, then they start finding a second place to put their money in. That's going to be silver. Um, and yes, you're right, Patrick, that when we're talking about inflation, when we're talking about uh, volatile market, people are supposed to put their money into silver and gold. But that's not happening. And if you look at 2008, when the market was crashing, it was obvious there was a three-year delay for gold and silver to start coming back up. So gold and silver will go down with the market for some reason because people are taking money off the board. They're scared. Then they finally get their mind back and they start trying to figure out where's the safest place to put my money. That's when silver and gold will pop. And it will pop. Uh, it's going to get overvalued. Um, but the reason why I like silver is because I, I do a lot of investing through Theta, and I like to buy stuff at the bottom of the barrel. 
and silver's getting very close to the bottom of the barrel. Think about it. You, uh, in 10 years ago, it popped at, what, 55, if you're looking at SLV. Um, so that's where I start building my base and uh, just collect that theta until it pops. So I'm looking at silver, right? Um, and, you know, I, I hear what you're saying about, about silver being cheap. I mean, we've, we found its first resistance level is probably at around, I, I'd like to say maybe $16 per, uh, per uh, troy ounce, I guess it would be. Uh, now we're trending lower to its next support level of $14. It's probably at about uh, 14.3 is holding around there. What happens, what happens after we break the resistance, or do we break the resistance level of, of $14 per share, or $14 per troy ounce? Wait, uh, you're talking about the support or the resistance? I'm talking about a support level. We're approaching okay. a support level of $14, $14. And the last, the last uh, in our March trading cycle, we see on, the, uh, on a one-month chart, the wick is it's a strong sell for the wick on, as a bear market. So, I mean, I, I say we break support level, but when should buyers have the confidence to get back in again? Uh, so there's different ways to look at the, the charts to, to find buying patterns. Um, but let's just say that the price is right at the support. Um, I don't buy immediately. I would look right. for confirmation that it's coming back up. Now, if you're talking okay. about candlestick patterns, I'm looking for a bearish engulfing pattern. Oh, I'm sorry, bullish engulfing pattern. Um, if you're actually looking at um, um, different... Uh, the MACD, you're looking for a crossover, or you could also look at moving averages where the short term crosses above the, the long term. Uh, there are many different ways to set up your charts so that it gives you a buying signal. Once you have confirmation that this might be a support, then you can go ahead and buy your calls or buy your positions. And then if it goes up, you make money. If it doesn't, remember we talked about you have a stop loss or you have you know some protection factor. That way, you're only risking a certain amount. And so right. you're not risking all the way to zero, if that makes sense. Right. So I see it's kind of, it's kind of done that where, you know, going, going with what, what your call was, I see it kind of going to 1460. But, you know, after 1460 per ounce, I see it sort of ticking up a little bit. So I guess my question for our viewers would be, have, have we sort of, you know, with, with the way the charts look now or the way the fundamentals may be looking right now, are we at a point where it's a safe place to buy in? I don't think so yet, just because of the fact that people are using it as cash, which is what's intended, right? When the market is tough, people want their gold and silver to use as cash, basically. That's what they bought it in the first place for. Right. So I think that we're not there yet. As Max said, it's going to take a little while for it to actually go back to what's I think there's still a bit of a um, downturn uh, continuing for a little for while. Silver. Well, I just wanted yeah. to add this that, uh, yeah, we're getting to a point where if it does turn around, this would be a triple bottom, which is very strong. But if you're if you zoom into the hourly chart, um, my short term moving average is still way, way below my long term. And so um, it's not giving me that signal to get back in. But the thing is, uh, you know, I'm kind of like Warren Buffett with silver. I'd rather buy early than late just because of right. what it is. 
Um, so you had talked a little bit about, you know, some of the big investors weren't really going into the market, but uh, Warren Buffett's already started to deploy his positions out there. Um, so right. I always buy a little bit be behind Warren Buffett, but not too much. Um, right. So let me just ask, um, disclaimer, we both have a big oil position, as we've mentioned before, right? But why wouldn't someone right now buy silver over oil when oil is at almost the bottom it can ever go? What well, so think? is oil. Oil is pretty cheap as well. Yeah, I'm talking about oil. Exactly. Why would people buy silver over oil right now? I is think that for me? cheap. So, yeah, ever since Kerrang, both of them are very cheap. Now, if you're actually looking at purchasing power, oil is way cheaper than silver. So that's why I'm saying that silver right, is giving right. you those sexy eyes, but I still have my girl right here, oil, um, and I'm not leaving her. Um, but so that's if you're comparing it and purchasing power. Now, silver is always going to gain value over the long term. Oil is on a long uh, is on the, the opposite long term, it will diminish in value. Now, um, maybe not in dollar amount. The reason is because things like quantitative easing and uh, cutting rates, inflation. Um, right. So right. to me, I like oil a lot better just because the premiums are better. But yeah, someone exactly. could go with. So it, you can't make a wrong choice. Um, if you're not very good at trading, go with silver. It's going to be safer for you. It's going to be more consistent. If you're a little bit better uh, with oil, you're going to make some really good money. Um, and so my rule is always, if you're a beginner, try to aim to make 1% per month. 1%. You know, if you add it up, that's 12% a year. That's way better than the market, which is supposed to be 7%. If you're intermediate, you're aiming for 2% a month. That's it. Just yeah. So, so the way I see it right now with silver is that, as you mentioned, it's very good. Like if someone wants to start buying silver, you can sell long-term calls. It's pretty safe, right? Uh, not too complicated. But the reason why I like oil so much right now is because I can con conceivably see oil going back up 50%. Pretty easy, right? As opposed to silver, do we really see silver going to 22, 24 in the next like months? I don't see it personally. No. But I can see, I can definitely see oil going back to 10, 12 dollars within a few months once the economy starts picking back up. Because we all agree, I, I believe that the fundamentals of the U.S. economy are strong. Yeah, we're having a pretty big setback right now, and three months from now, when all the earnings are terrible people are going to be pretty angry and probably say that the stock market is terrible. But overall, like the U.S. economy is still strong and the government is really pushing through uh, that support for the market right now. Hey, so Patrick, that's why, yeah. I, I want to inter interject something. You know, you've sure. mentioned about that. Uh, how much of it is priced in, though? Uh, how, how much of, you know, your corona, we've got the coronavirus, you got the declines in oil. You got the declines with the commodities market. How much of the yeah. economy, how much of the bad news, how much of all this negativity is priced in? And, you know, that that kind of determines where the floor might be also, right? I agree it's overly with you. priced in. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure. 
because I believe it's priced in for the first wave, but we don't know what's going to happen in a month. Like, are the cases going to keep going up? How long are, pe going, are people going to be shut in their house, right? We don't really know what's going to happen. Right, right. So, and also, if we do break the bottom, well, then that's when the panic, the floodgates open. Like, people are just going to keep panic selling. And then it's like the falling knife scenario. Um, it's going to be oversold. Like, I agree with you that it's probably already a little bit oversold. But, like, when panics kicks in, that's when things go really bad. I always think about... I always think about uh, 2008 or 2009 when Microsoft went down to $12. Can we really think that Microsoft is a $12 stock? Absolutely not, right? No. But everyone was selling. So this, I think that's what uh, the danger well, is. So the, real quick, the reason why I say it's oversold is because let's just say that all the information we have about the coronavirus, the oil, uh, is, fits into this box then you can also add that there's a fear factor. So we yeah. are oversold by a fear factor, whatever that multiple is. Um, and so that's why I say that we are currently oversold to what the information we have. So that just goes to the, uh, Everson's question about, you know, is it priced into the market? My answer is overly priced. That's just, you know, my point of view. But if it's overly priced, wouldn't we see some buyers returning back into the market at a at a better rate than what we're seeing now? I I think I'll go to Patrick's view where a lot of it is speculation. I mean, we and it goes back to support the idea that uh, day trading is probably one of the best options right now. Right. Get in, get out while, while you have a chance or you have the opportunity. Yeah. And that way, too, if you're in in the market uh, at a at a time where there's extended uh, bear market trend, then you can take advantage of that opportunity with the puts, right? Um, so I, I'd have to go with Patrick on that one where, I, and I do understand that it's over oversold. I, I mean, anyone can see clearly that this is an oversold market, but at the same time, I think that fear factor isn't priced in. I think we have a lot more that we can price in on a fear factor because what happens if, if you know, we do end up self-quarantining in our homes for about two weeks. And then at the end of April, data becomes worse. And now we're stuck in our homes for another month. In the, in the month of May, you don't get uh, graduation ceremonies. That means, uh, you know, less spending at the, at, on your consumer products. How can companies survive, especially small businesses, survive off of this? And, and what's that number to small businesses per state? Um, you know, that that would maybe at that point file for bankruptcy or file for some kind of national uh, national protection, right, from the federal government to sustain their small business. Uh, I think a lot of small businesses get burned in this. I think a lot of weak airliners and, and weak uh, cruise ship companies, they get burnt out out of this. And maybe some of them file for Chapter 13, Chapter 12, or just, you know, flat out just yeah, that's the chain effect we were talking about earlier. Right. Um, I think that now is a good time to switch over to the chart zone with our expert, Max. Max, yeah. uh, today this week's going to be pretty big. Uh, there's already, as we mentioned, the future is down 4.5% already. It hit the trigger to where they had to stop the futures for the night. Where do you think this week is going to go? And what do the charts say? Like, are we bracing for another big loss this week? Or what's the bottom 
<clears throat> well, I'm going to shock you guys that uh, this week's going to be a three bull, two bear week. And the reason I say that is because uh, of the news that was just released. You know, um, they're, they're going to release a lot more funds into the market and they've reduced the rates. Just that with the inflation alone, you'll see that it's going to make a difference. Maybe not initially. Monday's going to get pummeled, absolutely pummeled. But looking at the chart, uh, I always like to look at the SPY um, instead of the actual S&P. That's just my personal preference. But I have two resistance level uh, at 272 and at 283. Uh, so these are really, really strong. Um, it's going to take a, a lot for us to get back through those levels. Um, but at the bottom, we have uh, a 233 uh, so that's going to be the support. And I think we're going to bounce off of that a couple times this week. And that's why I'm, I'm willing to say we're going to have three bull days, uh, two bearish days. Um, I will say that the bearish days are going to be bigger than the bull days. And, uh, we might actually finish the week approximately about the same price that we're going to start the week. Um, but that's according to the charts. Um, and so Everson, you were talking about where are the bulls? Uh, the bulls I've tried multiple times to start making a, a defense. Um, it's just that the bears are a little bit stronger. But what happens when a stock or, you know, um, a price goes down, um, that defense keeps getting stronger and stronger because, you know, let's keep the number simple. Let's say 100 bulls come in and say, you know what, this price is way too cheap for me to stay out. So they buy in, but they get pummeled by the, the bears. Well, the, the level that's cheaper than that, you're going to have more than 100 people that are willing to say, you know what, this this is too cheap. So every time the bulls are putting up a defense, it's going to get stronger and stronger. And I feel like the defense is going to be way too strong on the spy at around 233 uh, for the bears to keep um, keep pushing back. Now, the question is going to be, are we going to bounce off of that and start coming back up? Uh, it's too early to tell, and I think that would be too bullish of a view right now. But I would at least say that we're going to start creating a channel sideways um, from that point of view. So I just you want know, to add real you're... quick that I just want to add real quick that I've seen a lot of chatter this week about people seeing, hey, the stocks are starting to be at a price where it's starting to be interesting again, because we all agree that. At 29,000, like most of the stocks were completely overpriced, right? But I've seen a lot of people this week AMD. starting to look at, yeah, starting yeah. to look at some bargains over there. Like I was talking about uh, Karubi, and I, th I still think it's a little too high at 33, but if it goes into the low 20s, you know, it might be a good play. But so do you actually think that it's going to bounce off, off of the, uh, floor that you're talking about. So you think that since the spy is at 269 right now, you think it's going to go back up to 230s? Wait, what? You, so you said that the spy is at 260 right now, and it's going to go back up to 269 right now. Yeah, yeah I'm two, asking you. It's at you said that the supports in the. Yeah, you said that the support is at in the 230s, right? So yeah. do you think we're going to hit that again this week? Yeah, I mean, you'll see on Monday, uh, the futures are already signaling that it's going to be a big down day. And so yeah. uh, maybe by the start of Monday, we might be reaching that level almost, probably low 240s. Um, but yeah, that big down day is going to start the week. And we'll see, you know, if the, bull, the, the bulls have cojones over there. 
Um, but my bet is that they will. Um, now, are they going to turn around the trend? That's I, I don't have the information for that, but I, I truly think that they're at least going to slow down this descent um, to a standstill at least. Yeah, that was my point is that people are starting to look for bargains, right? People want to invest. But the problem is that every time the news come on, the bad news kind of puts a lid on any recovery. Like that's that's what keeps the bulls from actually winning, I believe. What, what's your view on that? Like, how do you think the news uh, daily are affecting it? Um, I, so there's a big reason why I try to stay away from the news. It's just because um, my point of view is it just stirs too many emotions. And so um, it gets people to sell their positions um, low and, you know, it gets them to buy high. The reason is because they keep thinking, like, let's give it to oil. Oil drops 50% and then people are like, oh my gosh, this is the worst investment ever. And they get out. So they just bought high and sold low. Um, And and that's just what happens when those emotions are stirred. And that's what the headlines of news do to people. They just get them stirred up. Um, So right now people are just so scared of what's happening. Overly scared in my opinion. But they're scared, which is the fact that they are scared. um, And so they're just overly selling their positions. Um, but I'm telling you, we're going to have a lot of bulls at that level, um, at 233. And, uh, I, I'd be very surprised if for some reason the bears are able to, uh, to break through that level. Um, now, uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I, I'm going to say that this week's a three, two, the bulls are going to show up. They're going to show a little bit of moxie. Um, and just remember that it, if you put a Fibonacci um, retracement on the on the spy, I mean, it can't go that much further temporarily. Who knows what's going to happen in two weeks? But I'm just saying, like, we've had a lot of people that sold. And just think about all the people that shorted the, the spy or, you know, shorted stocks in order to to make a profit. They have to buy back the stock. What yeah. happens when a lot yeah. of people buy back? the market has to come back up, even if it's just temporarily. So do you actually see a short squeeze this week or down the line eventually? Um, to be honest, on, on the TV show Billions, they talk about short squeeze all the time. Uh, to me, I don't really pay attention about the short squeeze. I, I'm not really sure when they're going to start buying to, uh, to get out of their positions. All I like to do is just look at the emotions in the market um, the, the shorters actually add a third dimension to this, to the charts. And I'm, I'm not at the level where I can predict where that's going to be. Um, but if, if you're looking at, um, if, again, if you're looking at the spy and you're getting, um, the spy to cross above 275, you're going to see a lot of people getting out of those shorts positions because they're going to lose a lot of money on margin. So I'm not an expert on charts, uh, but what I've seen is that they're calling the bottom to be about 20,750 uh, on the Dow Jones. What do you think about that prediction? Um, to be honest, I would say that's too low. 
that's too low, uh, at least temporarily. Um, the reason is because, and that's what the news does. They always tell you that things are way too good than they are, and they're way too worse than they are. Um, so that's a big reason why I try to stay away from the news, and I try to evaluate the information from the charts because it's not it's not filtered in any way. I'm getting direct information from what the the market's accomplishing. Um, so I would say that's so the Dallas, number. The Dallas dropped six thousand points. Uh, so, but you don't think it can drop another three thousand? So the market's going to get tired, right? It can't just go straight down to zero. There's a point like the the short sellers have to buy out their position. Now there are pe multiple people that will start buying positions just because they think it's too cheap. An example: Warren Buffett's already started to buy uh, positions. Um, so just looking at what the market's done in the past three weeks, it's just been a straight drop going through multiple support levels, which haven't really slowed down the market. Well, actually, it did a little bit. But uh, I think now we're going to start seeing more of a fight from the bulls, um, even if it's just temporarily. I keep saying that, but it has to to take a break. It's, it's, it's going to get tired. It's not going to keep going yeah. the same direction for a long time. It's more balanced than that. Right. And the close Everson, what what do you see coming this week? What's your opinion on like what are we going to see this week? Well, as you folks are talking, I'm taking a look at the uh, Dow Jones industrial average. And on its intraday, I'm seeing a um, it's bouncing anywhere from, you know, two two point five eight percent to about uh, I seen it at one point. It was it was up closer to three percent. The S&P 500 in intraday trading was at three point six two percent. Uh, I, I think it might be right in line with, with what Max is saying. As much as I, I've been a bear recently and I would love to see another bear week, I think we could see prices because we've got to look at the value of these companies. It's not like uh, revenue is going away. It's not like um, earnings is just going away. Maybe we get a correction in earnings. Um, intraday for oil is down 20% overall, uh, maybe closer to 30%, but uh, that's a different story in itself. But you know, just sticking to the stock side of everything, uh, I, I I do see maybe maybe not in particular the three days bulls. Maybe we see maybe a two day bull and a and a three day um, bear market again like last week. But that's why we we leave our technical analysts to to Max. Um, I'm I'm more of a fundamental guy, and I I'm a little biased. Like I said, I'm a bear guy right now. Uh, so <laughs> I, I I would want to see you know, three days of a bear market uh, and two days of a, of a bull market. I, I think it's, it's healthy for, for a good balance. Um, but like I said, too, you know, in that same respects, we, we're very low with, with all of our stocks. And we're, we're definitely oversold in, in, a, lot of, uh, in a lot of areas. Uh, but needless to say, you know, unless to me, I'm a little different when it comes to the news I, I like to look a little closely to the news because when you look at um, when you look at gold, right? Gold has has always been the hedge against the market. So when the market crashes, then usually the tendency is for gold and silver to be to be going up. Um, likewise, with when the dollar comes into play, uh, dollar goes down, gold and silver goes up. But lately, we've been finding that all of the sectors have kind of trailed and follow along with. with with the same trend. So, you know, with that, that being said, I, 
I got to look at the consumer and your regular investor who's really looking to to buy a, a gold bar or a silver bar in a term where there's a health crisis. So I I think it's a health crisis is a little different. Um, and I'm interested in seeing the data on how it was with the markets in during Obo the Ebola or the SARS and seeing, you know, how long it lasted. And I know that the data is different. Um, we've surpassed the, the amount and, and definitely we, we've got a lot more people than, than prior. So this is a different animal in itself. But uh, I think sentiment is still still in the, in the bear market. I, I think we go down at, at least another you know, 10 to 15 percent. And then we'll see what happens from there. But I'm very big on the news. Uh, so it's a little different from you, Max. I'm very big on the news. And I think we just take it day by day, like I was saying. I'm with you on that, Everson. Uh, I think that this week is going to go down again, sadly. Probably not as much as the last week, right? But I think tomorrow is going to start down pretty right. tremendously. Maybe 5, five to 10% tellers. across the board. Right. And well, then I, tomorrow afternoon, people are going to like come to their senses. I'm, I, I, I predict that we're going to hit that uh, stops. Uh, how do you call it? You know, when they all the market again because we hit oh, that trigger. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think that's going to happen again today, uh, tomorrow. And then during the day, it's going to go back up a little bit when people uh, cool off. Right. And then I would assume that Tuesday is probably going to be an up day. But not nearly as high as the down days. So I think we're going to be trending down for the week. But again, it's going to be a big roller coaster. Wait, and so I think that's, that that's what should... I was saying, too. Even though I'm saying three bulls, two bears, yeah, yeah. I'm still saying that the market's going down. Uh, yeah, almost 10%. Yeah, so we all agree that we're still all bears. Then. Yeah. Right. <laughs> But it looks like I'm less Until bearish see what than you guys. Next. <laughs> so uh, let's conclude this episode on that, guys. Uh, I wanted to thank everyone for viewing. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe, leave a comment, questions. We appreciate all of the feedback. And we'll do our best to answer some of your questions in the next few episodes. Uh, try to be safe this week. Be careful. Don't invest more than you can afford to lose. And try to not pay attention too much to the short term. Like if you want to do some bets on the short term, we do it. Like it's not a problem. But try to invest in things that you can see going up in the next three, five years and be able to support three, five years. So I'm Patrick. I'm your host for this week, signing off. And we'll see you guys next week. Thank you. All right, guys. Have a good one. All right.